Hey, Turbo fans, thanks for joining us for episode 11 of the Turbo Comics cast. This episode, we're jumping into WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and peeking into the Snyderverse. We won't let you go before we talk about our poll lists, current CGC news, and just what in the name of Odin's beard is happening in the comic book marketplace. So make sure to follow Turbo Comics on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for podcast news, epic sales, prize giveaways, and tons more. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Turbo Comics Podcast, episode number 11. This one has it all, baby. CGC complaints, Mojo, and Snyder tears. Hey guys, I'm Max, your host, and I'm joined by Mojo Verse stars on Turbo Stalwarts, Matt and Zach. Welcome Hell back yeah. to the show, guys. God, I love the oh. Mojoverse so much. Yeah. Uh, what about Arcade? Yeah. A... <laughs> How is it going in the Mojoverse, by the way? Like, what's been going on in the Mojoverse? I don't know. Have they even... Well, you remember when Mojo was going to be the big bad on WandaVision because it had something to do with TV and everybody thought it was going to be Mojo-related? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was All Mephesto. Yeah. And then it was Cthone. <laughs> and then it was... Who else? I know I'm missing somebody else. Oh, Mef- I already said Mephesto. I don't know. Somebody else. Yeah, it was well, you know, and Longshot was going to appear on the show, of course. Grim Reaper, wasn't it? That was another. Oh yeah, oh, Grim Reaper. That was yeah. uh, lingering around all the time. Like, yeah, and Grim Reaper was, was going to show up because because yeah, they it saw was, a shape of his head, and it was none of those. It yeah, was yeah. Agatha Harkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a letdown. We'll, well get to yeah, it. We'll get it, to it. We'll, we'll definitely get to it, and it would have been way better if it would have been Mojo, I think, in the long run. But um, yeah. Yeah. When, when was the last time Mojo was used? I, I, like. Oh my god. Uh, so I remember Exiles. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Like in other media outside of other media outside of comics, I think it was just the X Men animated series, and then uh, that X Men game for the Genesis back in like the mid nineties. You guys remember? <laughs> you remember that game? <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh, so, course. yeah. That, well, that they, his level was difficult because you had to beat Mojo, and then you actually had to physically reset your Sega to beat the level and go on to the next one. Wow. Yeah, dude. You remember? Anyways, it caused me a lot of strife as a kid. Anyways, I'm over it now for the most part. Caused you a lot of strife as a kid. Yeah, hey. Yeah. <laughs> all shitty mutants all the time here on Turbo Comics Podcast. Well, that's how we got to introduce almost every cast is by talking about some like C level or B level like X villain, you know. So. Yeah, you know, there's plenty a, of them. It's just a it's a necessary evil. But um, one of the things we're going to start doing, and uh, I think probably, I, I don't know if you guys want to do this with every cast or if we want to do it with like every other cast or whatever we want to do, but, um, you know, probably at least every cast since our cadence has been like every, like what, three months? Yeah, every three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're a quarterly podcast. Yeah, we're, we are a qu- quarterly <laughs> podcast here at Turbo Comics, but we definitely want to at least let you guys know what we're pulling in our in our lists that we're pulling at stores and uh, kind of what we're reading and what we're digging and kind of what's new, you know, since we are theoretically a, a comic book podcast, but um, yeah, more of a philosophy guys... and a way of life, I think. Well, but... I think, you know, uh, or at least a self-help, you know. You know, Correct. All of the above. <laughs> all of the above. Like we'll check all those boxes. But uh, what have you guys been reading? Like what are you, what are you digging? What are you pulling right now? Uh, so my my big two. We talked about it on the last one, but uh, Department of Truth is still just knocking it out of the park. It's still a, a super fun read. Um, 
giant you know reptilian jeffrey epstein colorado airport like everything i love is in there so it's a it's a super fun read i'm honestly surprised uh like half the stuff that they're putting in there they're actually putting in a book but it's a it's a lot of fun um and then my other big one as of late uh was haha i was kind of i wasn't sold on it after the first two issues but the third issue came out like a month ago and i love that issue it's like a a condensed version of the Iron Giant in the story. Really? Yeah, it was it was really good. The art was really well done. It was an all silent issue. Uh just all told the art. It was about a mime that finds a robot and um it, it was just it was a lot of fun. I've really been enjoying that series. It wasn't really sold after the first issue, uh, but after the third and then the fourth issue that came out, I'm I'm all on board. That's that's a my one probably my favorite book to look forward to right now outside of Department of Truth. Wow, that's cool because I hadn't. I, I, you know, obviously you see all those books all over, and you see like the gajillion different variants for that book. But uh, I had no idea that, that was that good. Yeah, no, I love it. It's uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a Twilighty Zone type thing. It bounces around from story to story. There's no real central theme yet. Like Ice Cream Man, you got the the dude that's always there, but here it's just it's bouncing around from various uh, entities. Like it's like a. Um, What's the word? Like a a show a showman? Like it's a mime, a clown, a, a burlesque dancer. Like they're they're all the people in showbiz and like the supernatural stuff that happens with them. There, it's really it's different. Huh? That's, that's, that's like image, right? Yeah. Is it like? Does it have any relation to any other book, or is it like completely standalone? Not yet, completely standalone. I, I think it's going to stay that way. Okay. I think all the issues are standalone too. Correct? They like, are. I haven't read it yet, so. Yeah, no, they, they they are. Yep, all all standalone. Um, and then one other, I guess I should mention, like a, a Marvel book. Uh, but the Marvels came out uh, last week, actually, written by Kurt Music. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, oh, I know. I know. Oh, what, I'm not ready to talk about the Kurt Music story yet, but <laughs> one day, one day, dear listener, we'll tell you the story. Um, but no, it uh, it was a good issue. It's it, it basically I think I've I've read it described as Kurt Music's like Astro City in the Marvel universe, and that's probably after the issue. I, I can see where people are getting that from. It's focusing on a lot of. I mean, it's got your big name characters in there, but it's fo- focusing a lot on like background characters and characters that like play into the overall uh, Marvel universe. Like it's not just you know it's not just oh here's Null and here's all the characters interacting with Null and there's yeah. more Null like it's it's more <laughs> it's spreading out and like talking about all different like different countries different characters like it's a uh, it's a good read so far and uh yeah I'm looking forward to any, seeing where any, it goes any obscure characters that we don't see very often uh not not that I remember there there was a character I'm I'm blanking on his name because it was his it was his first appearance in there but he's basically running a New York City like superhero tour guide out of a busted down old fantastic car, and mm-hmm. so he's like driving people around, like taking them to see different sites like the Daily Bugle and all this stuff. It's it's a, it's a fun little like uh, world building in the Marvel universe. Interesting, interesting. No, that sounds pretty cool. It's nice to see that he's actually you know doing something again for Marvel. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's my favorite Marvel writer. Like by far, he's written some of my favorite stuff. Uh, except for maximum security but he's written a lot of really good stuff <laughs> and uh oh uh, yeah and uh so I'm, I'm happy to see him back working with marvel i, I honestly haven't been keeping tabs on what he's been putting out but i saw that book last week and had to grab it so if you could see him working on any kind of marvel book or any kind of resurgence of a marvel book what would it be uh honestly i would like him to even though he's done avengers before i would like him to take over after jason aaron hops off uh, because I think the characters in there, it's uh, it's suited to his V6 writing style, and uh, they're just it's really a wide variety of characters, kind of like what he did with the Avengers back when he had like 
Tri-Man, and he was introducing all these new characters. Like, you know, you got the new Ghost Rider in there. Um, you got Echo as the Phoenix now. Spoilers. Um, there's just there's a lot of good stuff that he could build a lot with, but probably won't happen. I was, uh, I was really hoping you would say something like damage control or something, but uh, okay. Yeah, well, he's pretty <laughs> much writing that in Marvels, man, so. <laughs> no, that's actually pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. That's someone I haven't read. Yeah, um, give it a shot. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What are you digging? Uh, I'm really looking forward now that um, sort of the schedules have come back finally um, to some books. Um, one that probably should have actually ended last year will be ending this year, sadly, um, is Decorum. I don't know if you guys have read that from Jonathan Hickman. Uh, no. It's so amazing. And it came out super sporadic last year. Well, and... you're telling me a Hickman book came out sporadic? Yeah. <laughs> That's and... insane, bro. Holy shit. How did that happen? Totally uncharacteristic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think also the art takes a minute because the art is surreal and gorgeous. It's Mike uh, Huddleston. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Uh, yeah. He's incredible. Um, he did Middle West, I believe. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I'm recalling correctly which i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure um and it's it's an insane space opera book it's about as under the radar as a big name writer could get i feel like no one ever talks about this book but it's clearly you know really really hickman e so you're basically going to read each issue about four or five times to like grasp what what the hell he's trying to stay on top of the surreal art and then it's just a really, really cool concept. If, you, if you're if you a sci-fi fan, it's pretty much what you'd want. Every time you, as an adult, you probably pick up a heavy metal issue and you get disappointed with the writing in some of those nowadays. Uh, this is kind of like what you'd want out of it. It's like, it's only going to be eight issues. And again, it's coming out pretty sporadic, but it's a super, super incredible read. It's everything that comics should really be. They have that's a really, that's a really good pick because that's super under the radar. I mean, that's a book that I've like walked by and never, I mean, I guess I never really looked at it very closely enough to be. I like, think oh. you would love it. It's, it's yeah. very, very like hardcore sci-fi that runs kind of like the gambit. I mean, you get every sort of sci-fi trope all all through in the thing and it's got this insanely cool world building and it was initially i think it was billed as going to be ongoing but after issue two or three then it was going to end at eight issues and they've come out like every three months and then the pandemic hit and it was kind of just gone for a minute i didn't and you didn't hear much about it, even though that's a really big name in the comic world you think you would have a little bit more information just out there but it's it's definitely way way under the radar, and I, I hope he re- keeps revisiting it. And if you're just a sci-fi or comic book fan, it's it's what comics do. You know, they it kind of it's exactly what you want out of the medium, where it can take you into all these insane places. You'll go you'll go somewhere super bizarre, a crazy alien planet, back to a cityscape, back to all over stuff that you can't get in movies. It's um it's a, it's a beautiful book, and I I I hope they keep revisiting it, but um yeah. check it out readers i think well, that good. trade comes out soon too yeah and the first issue uh, while you're talking about Matt, i pulled it up on image comics site you can read the first issue for free on there so sweet oh nice i mean if there's one thing that i can get from image almost every time is quality sci-fi books seriously it feels like that anyway you know like whether it was you know uh seven to eternity or descender or whatever i mean it's obviously saga but like you know there's always something good in that sort of subgenre. Um, coming out at image 
Oh, big time. And this is just, I mean, it's, it's like if you didn't have an editor letting Hickman do whatever he wants, which is, you know, just free reign writing some insane sci-fi story, you know, and it's a space opera and it's about assassins. And, um, again, it, the world building and it's super, super beautiful. And I really recommend it in the art and it's surreal and draws you in and, it, it it does things that it, the highest review I could probably give for a book, and nice. I'm glad it's still coming out. <laughs> like I was worried it was canceled, yeah. <laughs> like it was just going to get dropped off, you know, oh, or something. Yeah. Like other um, good Hickman projects, Dying in the Dead, and all that. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, <sighs> because that's that happens. <laughs> so, um, but it's going to wrap up. So, um, check it out and i believe later this year too there'll be the trade paperback if you've missed a few issues you can't get them but i i'm sure you could probably pick them up because i i've heard no one talk about the book really uh, anywhere you know about in any sort of fashion and the people that have read it are just gush about how great of a read it is but no one i think is really collecting it so you could probably still get it um my other pick for uh books i'm really enjoying right now um is swamp thing uh, I really like the Swamp Thing right now. It's self-contained. You're not going to get kind of into any trouble if you wanted to pick it up. Um, if you're into, you know, existential horror, um, this Who is gonna, into this existential gonna, horror. Yeah. And what are you doing? <laughs> like, where are you at? <laughs> Come on, buddy. I don't want to know you if you're not into that. Yeah, and it's written, and if. And if you've listened to the podcast, I, it's one of the books that I was really, really looking forward to. So it had a really high chance of also being like really disappointing for me because usually that's how it goes. But um, <laughs> Ram Ram Five, it's totally Ram V or Ram Five. I don't know which one it is, but it's really killing it. And it's nice because it's separate from everything else that's happening at DC, so you don't have to really worry too much. That's kind of like the Swamp Thing MO over the years or when Swamp yeah. Thing's been the best is yeah. when they're not really like forcing him into the continuity so much. And it's good. And I really recommend it. You know, if you're a fan of Swamp Creatures, Swampy, Existential Horror, you know, and maybe you want to dabble back into, you know, a big two book and you're just thinking, uh, I can't get into any of these right now because that's also been a tough thing with the big two is they've gone through so many shakeups right now and crossovers and things that it's just been super difficult but it's you can another book you could probably just pick up off the shelves get the back issues right now for cheap and really check out um it builds on swamp thing great so swamp thing has always felt like that sort of doorway into like a big two book but without having all the baggage i guess yeah big time and you can you know, and it, this is also, it, it feels like it's moving the Swamp Thing mythos in a meaningful way. And so you're not throwing away all the continuity, but you're also not hung up on, like, you're not worried about, I don't know, you're not worried about what Justice League Dark's doing or, like, you know, some of these other things. <laughs> and, hey, I like me some Justice League Dark, but, you know, it's also nice if you, it's been a minute, you know, people, it's been a tough going on two years now so you know who knows maybe you're about ready to enter your comic shop again you know where do you start and so i i feel like um it's a great 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 series and it's got cool and mike perkins art's really good in it too so really moody um which is always a swamp thing must so um definitely check it out can't go wrong with swamp thing cool 
Do you have any others? Those no. What about you? What are you What are you reading, dude? Uh, I think I. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things that I think I, I like, but um, I think if I had to mention one, this that that is really kind of just a a little bit of a breath of fresh air, even though it's the same kind of shit that I always like. It's uh, it's been Young Hellboy. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I just I I like love this book. I I you know just because it's been like um like a fun and refreshing take on Hellboy and his relationship with his adopted father, uh, Professor Brutenholm, for those of you that don't know. But um, most of the young, I guess, Hellboy interactions that we've seen before in, in the Hellboy books and BPRD and that sort of thing have, have always been kind of melancholy or sometimes even negative, you know, where maybe the professor doesn't have time for him or something like that. But it's really kind of cool to see this young Hellboy book because it's giving us um, a little bit of a picture of the fun that they have together and the relationship together. And the adventures that they have um it's kind of cool it's because the, it is it's so much fun and it's it's filled obviously with all of the i don't know the classic hellboy tropes that that, that we love but it feels like um it kind of feels like a golden or silver age adventure comic you know filled with it's monsters. very pulpy yeah and it's it's cool because it doesn't feel like a hellboy book sometimes because it's so bright and colorful and mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and and the art is is really great but it's um hmm. You know, but it's it's a lot of fun, and I, I didn't know that I would like it. Of course, I picked it up just because it's Hellboy, but I didn't know that I would like it as much as I I ended up doing. And it, it's a really fun book. Oh, yeah, awesome. I absolutely loved it. Um, and also, my oldest son really liked it. You know, the first issue has a giant gorilla and then some raptors yes. in it. So <laughs> you know, like he he loved it. He we picked it up because I picked it up kind of for them because you know uh again listeners probably know that we love hellboy since we talked for like seven hours about hellboy uh, a few <laughs> yeah. episodes back all of us <laughs> in agreement and you know those those books you know those are pretty spooky books and so my kids can't read it but they always want to read some of the stuff and so it's kind of nice to have this like different take on hellboy where it's bright and pulpy it's got you know those indiana jones feel to it it's got oh yeah know, just it, cool it, it, and cool, it, still has, stuff. it still has Mignola like written all over it. Like he's writing oh, yeah. the, yeah, yeah. The, the book. So it's still like great in that regard, but it really does feel like, um, like just an old school adventure comic where he and his dad are kind of going out and doing these things. And it's, it's great. It's super fun. I can't recommend that enough. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other book, um, would probably be a boom book, uh, boom studios, um, with, uh, Proctor Valley road. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, this one's been great. Um, well, at least what I've read so far. Obviously, it's from the great Grant Morrison, fresh off his you know great run with Green Lantern. But um, this has been a really fun book so far, and I kind of feel like it's very it's very like Paper Girls and Stranger Things at times. Um, you know, and and that can be sometimes like, oh, people can tire of that trope. But the nice thing about it is that it's dialing things back even more in time. And giving the reader kind of more of like an idealized version of like the 1960s or 70s suburbia and so it's not like 80s it's a little earlier than that <clears throat> and you can definitely feel that in the book um but it basically follows like four teenage girls and they organize like a spook tour of one of america's most haunted and monster infested roads and um it's so far it's really really fun um i really oh, like cool. the art in it too um i think the artist is uh naomi franquiz is her name and it's cool because it, it kind of um, it kind of traverses between her really bright and colorful art to like dark and extremely violent on like a whim, you know. So it's really fun. Obviously, Grant Morrison. You know, what is more is there to say about Grant Morrison? But uh, you know, it's 
it's a really fun book and it i mean it shows that like boom just continues to put out you know good good stuff like over and over again yeah um, yeah i mean i don't know how long this book is going to run i feel like this would be a book that would be better suited to like i don't know 12 issues maybe 20 at the most but um I don't know how long they're going to obviously have Grant working on this, but uh, for right now, I think I would totally recommend that. And then a last book, not really a pull list book. And I, this is, you guys are probably going to like roll your eyes at this, but like, this isn't really a pull list book, but a book that I had never read before. Um, Cause it's been out for a long time. Um, I was able to pick up three volumes of a book called spaghetti brothers. And this is a book that hey. I really, really <laughs> hey, hey. It's a spaghetti, brother. But, uh, <laughs> I was really blown away by this book, though. Like, uh, this series was created by um, a couple of Argentine Italians, written by uh, the late Carlos Trio and Domingo Madafrina. Mm. And it follows basically um, the Farrow family and their exodus from native Italy to America. And it focuses on five siblings, three boys and two girls, and the paths that each of them take as the eldest boy becomes a gangster, um, another becomes a policeman, another a Catholic priest, and the two girls, one becomes an actress and the other a housewife. But it's an extremely well-written book. The art is unreal, amazing. It's exceedingly gritty and really, really dark, but it's also really a historic, historically accurate portrayal of Little Italy during the second half of the 1920s and beyond. But um, I picked these up just on a whim because I was like, I read a little bit about them and I saw that there were some English translations and I was like, screw it, I'm going to get them. And I was blown away. Um, I know IDW put out some of the English translations of the book several years ago, so you can get them still for pretty cheap. But uh, Spaghetti Brothers, yeah, I mean... Not a book you're going to hear a lot about, obviously, but there's so many cool, like weird and interesting books that are even set in the in the states that are put out by you know um, foreign publishers or they're just you know international books being put out in foreign countries like Argentina and places like that that we don't necessarily hear about very often. So sure. super cool. Wanted to give a shout out to that. Check that out. Yeah, it's it's super cool. I mean, I've never even seen an actual comic of it i've only ever seen the actual books but um you know it's it's certainly not something that you're going to see people like you know freaking out about ratio variants for or things like that so <laughs> <laughs> you know but it is cool so highly recommended read um speaking of like ratio variants <laughs> and speaking of like just how crazy things have been lately in terms of changes in the comic book industry um i know there's been some changes i know Matt and Zach, you guys love to talk about CGC. Uh, <laughs> you, guys, you guys love. Do we love it? Like, do we love yeah. it, or do we you, like to complain? You, you, you guys love it. I know you do. So let's talk about some of the changes that have happened with CGC. Like, what's been going on with these? Yeah, guys? Matt, why don't you go ahead and uh, you submit more than me? So uh, I know the prices were increased. I just don't know by how much. Yeah, I mean, the biggest the biggest thing is the price increase, and they kind of did it. So it's kind of twofold. I mean things go up in price. They do, you know, and CGC should be expanding. Like they're, they're really kind of clandestine about everything except for charging you. Um, <laughs> so, you, you know, they're, they're going up in price and that's kind of fine. It just kind of sucks that they've been in such like a brutal, brutal backlog. And I right. think the fan reaction was real bad that I saw yep. just about everywhere. And rightfully so. I mean, I've had books since last November still there. Wow. That's how long these books have been there. And, you know, and 
there's customer service issues all over the place, lab issues, quality control issues, yeah, quality control issues, and I think that like they should have probably got all these things kind of under control first before you announce a price increase, like kind of show the value. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, have let the customers see that. All right, well, we hired like this whole division. We did a whole, you know, more people, more this, all this, you know, but. CGC, uh, other than showing the big time wins they get, or when some new auction hits some new high, they don't really say much. You know, they don't say much about like their graders. They don't say much about the quality control. You know, they don't really yeah. put themselves out there a lot. Yeah, you remember uh, the one time they put that video of the dude manhandling? Was it the Superman one? I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <The backlash laughs> looks wonderful. Um, you know, and you know what, so what's interesting about that. Hit, Sorry, Matt. What's interesting about that Superman one thing, just as a quick note, <laughs> is that I, I have read so many people online that are, are, I mean, and these are people whose collections would boggle your freaking mind and that know this guy personally who did that. And they say that, that, that he's, he's well within, I guess, the confines of responsibility in how he actually handled that book. But when well, I look at that, that, when I look at that, I'm just like, are you kidding? I, I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to understand yeah. that. Regardless well, it's, of it's how optics. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. Cause, cause here's the thing. Like I, I get the whole, like he shouldn't have been wearing gloves and, and all that. Like that's just, that's silly. But like the actual handling of the comic itself, I think all of us kind of take some pride in like in our collection stuff. And we're all just kind of like viewing that as our book kind of yeah, and like, yeah. Oh my God, that's what CGC is doing with my comic. And it just like, you know, I wouldn't handle my books that way. And I think there's kind of like a certain trust that is present when you send your stuff off to him and to see him handle it like that. It's like, it just, it's a little shocking. And it, it uh, <laughs> you know, it like make people go, Oh my God. Like, it, right. I think that's really what it came down to. I mean, the, half the people on Facebook, they're complaining about it. They don't you know, really know like what goes into comic grading. And it's just a bunch of dudes who see, you know, see a dude in their eyes, manhandling a classic book. So sure. Sure. Yeah. It's just optics, you know, like they just, it, again doesn't look good like if you're going to post a video of someone holding a you know superman one it's like if they were grading action you know yeah, yeah. action comics one and he was just like look at this it's like when um you know we you i think listeners might remember us kind of jokingly talking about when todd mcfarlane was you know murdering people's spider-man books you know because <laughs> you know he was like holding it up like look at this and he's like <laughs> you know and I mean, Todd loves comics, but you know, Todd's not collecting the comics. Those are your right. comics that Todd's signing. So, so, so Matt, question for you, Max, throw that to you too. So, uh, in the sports card world, I, I don't know too much about that. Uh, I know a little bit about it, but it's, I think it's PSA. Uh, they're like mm-hmm. the, one of the big names and they grade, you know, your Pokemans and your Yu-Gi-Oh's magic, all this stuff. Uh, they stopped taking submissions because they were overwhelmed with the backlog. Right. So mm-hmm. would CGC, instead of upping the fees, been better off saying like, hey, we're not accepting any more new submissions from this date to this date, maybe like a month, two months max, and then allow them uh, to get caught up with the backlog and then start things mm-hmm. back up again? Because I think I think because realistically, the price increase is not that much. It's like four dollars, I think, per book. Uh, I mean, I think, you, I, yeah, I think that would have been a really bad decision on CGC's part from a business perspective, because as soon as you say that, you're not only, um, you know, lending very much, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess, responsibility to the brand, but you're also giving a person a reason to like send their stuff off to like, a competitor. 
Um, I, I guess, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I guess I can see both sides of it. That's why, cause I can understand if it's at the point where your, your business is actively suffering, like if there's, if there's not a way to dig yourself out of it, cause the, the price increase, honestly, like I get the cost of new business, but it seems like a deflection tool. Like it seems like a way of like, Hey, yeah. don't submit all your modern variants. We don't need 200 Prince of Eternals. Number one coming through, <laughs> like submit the books that actually like are worthwhile grading. That, that, that's what it seems like. It's just kind of like a dissuasion tactic. I don't think I, they care I don't though. They I don't. I don't think they no. care. I think they would rather just have like all those books submitted and just have them sit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. The, the real thing is what they should have done is met the demand. Like, and that's what they haven't done. And that's like, that's a calculated business decision. And I'm sure that's some sort of higher ups thing, you know, and that's, this is, and we've all worked at jobs where we've been understaffed or, you know, needed help with something, but they don't, they just don't want to do it, you know, and there's, yeah. th there's a, there's a whole nother aspect to, you know, um, work related issues right now, you know, hiring people and getting people trained, but they, they really should have met the demand, you know, and it's one thing to blame how everything's gone the past year and, you know, collectible market has gone insane in the past year and a half. And, Correct. but, mm -hmm when you're supposedly the leader in your field you should have met the demand you know they expanded into like taking card submissions why why didn't you meet the demand of your 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 core stuff first right. like you know it, it, it's like they took a whole nother venture on yeah. and didn't meet you know and so i think that's really how the why people are so upset and you know like and what do you do? You know, CGC cornered the market and they took over yeah, a and huge that's, chunk of the market. And that's yeah. why they that's why they don't need to actually meet the demand is because they can actually, you know, strategize where they're actually going to expand their business in order to maximize revenue rather than meet the demand and the customer and deliver the customer what they really need and want. You so, know, because they're cornered the market completely. Let, let me throw this out to you guys. What is your uh, your reaction? Like, how are you going to be handling your collection from here on out? Because there's a few different options, right? There with is gloves. Still, with gloves at all times. Uh, <laughs> also, so you got submit to CGC, submit to CBCS. I'll go ahead and throw out submit to PGX out there, but nobody's <laughs> going to pick that one. Or keep keep your books raw. What um, what do you what do you do? So I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you some time to think here. So with my, uh, you know, I submitted a bunch of books last year. It took about seven months. I got them back. <laughs> Ever since then, I haven't done another submission to either CGC or CBCS or PGX even. Um, <laughs> so my my tendency now is just to keep uh, keep the books that I know I'm going to keep raw, and then like maybe later down the road, I'm talking like five six years, the books like my Hulk 81 stuff. I know I'm still going to have. Like at that point, then submit it when maybe it's a little bit slower. <laughs> But like I, I just don't feel like diving into this like the the grading thresher right now and putting my books in there with everybody else. Like it, there's no push on me because I'm not going to be reselling these books. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then with books, I am going to sell. Like it's just, you know, I, I guess it's a little less money in the long run. But with the rate of return on a lot of these books, like even if you sell it raw for like an inflated price over what you bought it for, you're still making out. And then once you you know deduct the, the time cost, the shipping cost, the actual you know. CGC cost mm -hmm. is probably not that big of a difference. I, I just, I guess I'm just kind of falling out of favor with the overall concept of grading. Like it does well, make it easier to sell. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's it just like the, the hassle and just dealing with all of it is just something that like, I'm not interested I'll, in. I'll let, uh, I'll let you go next, Matt. 
so there's a couple there, there's a couple things with that um for me there's some books that i absolutely must have graded and that's going to be for you know a whole nother curveball which is insurance purposes because a lot of these places that actually um insure your collectibles are wanting these graded you know they're not just going to trust you on your grading skills of your book or your price or what you paid for it mm. so to actually get proper market value out of it you know if you want to be able to insure your book um you, you got to have it graded and so big big keys i'll probably still have graded um my personal books some of them you know i want to have slabbed just for display and preservation purposes sure mainly sure. some agree some stuff that i had like you know like like you mentioned you know you have your hulk 181 you're never going to get rid of or you know i have some signed books that i'm going to send off to cbcs because you know i want them verified and i just want to have them slabs though you know they're safe and sound um because there's it's twofold you know for reselling cgc is king has been probably will always be um but you know, just for personal stuff, I would probably still use CBCF, you know, like mm-hmm. what we talked about in our last cast. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's yeah. there's keeping the books raw. You know, there's there's so many different factors. There's like storage space, what you have space for, you know, like you may not right. even be able to have slab books, you know, mm-hmm. like just based on, you know, the personal preference. But, you know, um, I think a lot of people are going to learn here, especially with the market going as crazy as it is, is that like. You know, you made fun of like that Eternals, like slabbing that, you know, whatever variant, it's not going to be worth it. It's it's never really has been. But now that the turnaround time isn't going to meet the ability to sell because it's right. like a cat cat with a laser pointer. You know, the crowd is like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. You know, they keep they just right. go to whatever's hot. You know, they right. say, oh, this book's real hot. And then all of a sudden the book sells for <laughs> yeah. 10 times the amount. And, but you know. Yeah, and that was, was my dis- that was my dissuasion or my uh, yeah yeah like trying because yeah. I think that is going to push people to not su- like submit whatever like what, what was the big issue last week Batman Fortnite number one yeah uh, exactly. yeah <laughs> right. like all right, that one's kind of a bad example like but Geiger number no, one no that's a know? perfect example like that's yeah. a perfect example yeah. of a book that's well, gonna you not can't, be worth you can't get the you can't get the code for the skin if you slab the book man. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know no, I, uh, I, I think i think that i'm like completely i completely am in agreement with you zach that's how that's been my disposition forever is that in the long run and, and again this is before what we're going to talk about in a minute in terms of the market boom but in the long run for most of the books that i want to co- go ahead and hold on to there really isn't any cost savings or benefit in or in getting a lot of these things graded unless to go to Matt's point, you want to insure those books. And so there right. are a lot of books that I'd like to get insured or, or graded and then insured um, and still need to. But um, I want to be able to take my books to um, like a CGC rep, like physically, like at a con rather than send them to the mail because I have anxiety over that. But um, especially right now. But um, I think that for me personally, I'll probably continue to just not not grade my personal collection but the, the the side note to that though is that like we were talking about you know some of the variants like eternals variants and this and that um when we talk about how and, and matt i know you know a lot about about this but like uh, some of these books now if you if you can guarantee that you're going to get a 9.8 um by looking at this book like let's say it's um whatever it might be um 
some of these books that that retail for like you know fifty dollars, you can put it up on eBay for like an astronomical amount due to this market boom that we're mm-hmm. kind of going through right now. If you want to wait or and get it graded, but you're going to be waiting six and seven months down the road, and by then you know the market value might have shifted on that book. You know it might have. Oh yeah, changed. the perception could so, totally change. Right. Yeah. So what's hot like right now? You know, if I have like you know fuck like a, a Moon Knight book from like the eighties. That you know, number one for volume two or three. Hell yeah! And I get that. Yeah, and I get that <laughs> graded, and it's like a nine point eight. It's going to be selling for a ton, but like yep. eight months from now, after I finally get that book back, it might be two hundred percent less. Exactly. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Agree wholeheartedly, man. And I hope that does you know have a trickle down effect, and it you know stops people from submitting all these like kind of flash in the pan books. Um, but who knows, man? People are submitting everything right now, like all sorts of crap. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, unless people actively start getting dissuaded because they aren't able to sell them. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, that it kind of depends on the market, you know, and again, CGC just hasn't met the demand. You know, they haven't met, they haven't met the demand for the market. They haven't met the demand for customer service. They haven't met the demand for quality. And it's, it's a bummer because I, I do, I sound like a shill for the other guys, you know, um yeah Yeah. but but they're great you know and sure sometimes it takes a long time but you know i i don't know man if you're getting your books graded you need to either be getting you're either reselling and you need to make sure that you're going to get the value out of off of them another thing is is people see books on ebay and they're like wow it's worth that much when really it's never sold for that right so yeah well that you know yeah, and that can pivot yeah. is a, a little bit into like the market kind of boom and kind of what the market is doing right now. What do you think? What do you think of this? Oh, I mean, it's there was a whole there there's a whole thought process before, but now I don't know. Like, so the, every book is a record breaker. You know, right. every auction yeah. is a, and these are legit auctions. You have like Comic Link, Heritage. Those aren't like eBay where people yeah. are like worried about shield bidding. You know, these are like legit sales and yep. I it's I'm not saying that there's gonna be a bust for the collectibles market, you know, especially for high end books. Like if you're talking like super high end books, those always have a market, a premium market and will always go up because there's a finite amount of those in existence. It's kind of the middle ground that is real worrisome. You know, like you talk well, about like the variants and things and yeah. That, yeah. But, I- and that, and that kind of goes back, and that kind of goes back to some of the points that you made, and it also goes back to the points that um, we've made in prior casts, and what we're talking about here in terms of CGC. Because in the long run, I fear that it will be—I I don't know if it'll be exactly this way—but I fear that it will be a lot like the '90s all over again. At some point, the spec bros who aren't really collectors buying eighty-dollar Winnie the Pooh variants are going to get burned in large enough numbers that they're going to lose interest and stop pretending comics are any kind of stable or sensible investment vehicle, I guess. I mean, it's yeah. amazing that price is being paid for some of these moderns. And and again, these are the moderns that, like you said, Zach, are like flooding CGC. And what will hurt the industry, I think, is when people find out that many of these expensive ratio variants and whatever, they're not even worth the paper that they're printed on in a few years. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens if their money exits the market, because it could be disastrous, especially if the big two are not retaining their readership, you know, but yeah, I, I not, not to be like, I don't want to be too doom and gloom about it. I, I, I do agree with you. There are some semblances to, to the nineties. I mean, although I was like 10th time, so I don't remember everything. 
Um, but <laughs> the the thing, like, I, I do think we're, we're all kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, we're all kind of in agreement on where the correction's going to be. Um, so, like, Silver Age, uh, Golden Age, and even, I would say, a lot of Bronze Age stuff at this point is, yeah. quote-unquote, safe. Like, you're, like, if you buy something, the chances of it drastically reducing or like, losing, like, 20 to 40 percent over the next like year is pretty low sure it's it's all the new stuff right so it's like the variance if you if you plunk down a lot of money on a one in 200 variant right now are you going to be able to sell that in two years for more than what you bought it for i don't know i don't think so right i might be wrong, yes but who no. knows? there's like there's a couple probably outliers and those come with like big keys like you know um uh, god it sounds like we're just retrading old cats but you know like when yeah, you no. had your uh, <laughs> ultimate fallout four you know, like mm, sure that variant will that that's I think a really big book to watch. Yeah, also doubles as a first appearance. So yeah, well that's what and, I'm saying. It's an yeah. actual key. Right. You know, yeah, that's a and that's a big key. And so sure. that, that also came works. out before all this started blowing up, man. Like that's what I'm like the stuff that's come out in the last like year, year and a half. That that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a whole different. So there's a few things that are different with it, and it's kind of weird and hard to navigate because. You know, it used to be that second prints were looked down upon. Well, second prints are more rare now. And quite frequently, second yeah. prints also have the first cover appearance on them, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is a, a trend that's happening. And so, yeah, you know, is that book going to be the book to have? Who knows? You know, yeah. there's been a there's been a severely positive effect on um, people getting into um, comic books and collecting and it corresponds with how well Marvel has done with their films. It's, it's, there's a yeah, direct correlation yeah. with it. And, and that, that goes to the other side of the coin where, where we can see how a lot of the books that Zach mentioned, like these bronze and silver age books, like, um, you know, we can see them spiking. Like we can see a show that like WandaVision, WandaVision comes out and then Vision of the Scarlet Witch is a book that was sold for number one, sold for 10 bucks a year ago. And now it's like a hundred dollars today. You know, right. does this hurt or help the yeah. hobby? Uh, I I think ultimately I, I actually do think it helps. Um, I you know I, I think it's worthwhile to to have these books that are gonna you know it, maybe not all of them but to have those that are certain keys of minor characters and stuff that are culturally relevant to people. Like I think that's it'll be worth having. Um, like personally, my my biggest change is that the my quote unquote bulk that I have, which I probably have about nine long boxes of stuff that's just in my house all dark um, number one <laughs> no those are in a short box <laughs> big difference buddy uh the the stuff that uh i would have like without really much of a thought be like oh yeah no i can just sell all this and like i'll just bulk this all together and get rid of it but now i'm like looking at it and be like maybe i should hold on to this because it's an 80s book or like late 70s book and who knows it, it might be like it might just randomly explode one day. That's what happened with the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like I had a bunch of sure. those random Captain Americas that you know. Like how many times have I seen the first appearance of John Walker? Like I probably had three or four of them. Or uh, Avengers West Coast Fifty Seven. Like I had at <laughs> least like two, two of those, and I was like, it was a dollar bin book two years ago. Yeah, and um, I just I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I see. Like I think it's healthy that the market goes in flux like this, where there's people that are coming in and out, as long as more people are reading, like right. that's the big thing is if you can keep people interested in the hobby, because it's when they try to exit that there's the issues and that's when the books all hit and the crash comes. And so 
I, I don't know. It's a whole different era because, you know, we grew up collecting comics for 30 years now. And there's guys that have done it twice as long as us. And we all doom and gloom, but we never had the same sort of cultural relevance or media relevance that is occurring now. You know, right. mm-hmm. I mean, you think about you talk about like Thanos, right? There, there's a first appearance that was undervalued for Eon. It was right. a super treasured story, the Infinity Gauntlet. You know, it was a big time favorite amongst you know marvel zombies and then but it never really hit super high but now that book is out of control you know and i mean i'm not saying that it's even wrong you know because it's been an undervalued character for an eternity but right it's the effect of the films you know and you talk about falcon and winter soldier i mean you know more and more people are finding these things and you know people know comics and i i think true firsts are really where it's at you know, always, and that's a semi-safe bet. It's hard to say because the market is insane. Can, you can I add, I'll add one caveat to that. And you and I have talked about this before, but there, there's one market which is pretty undervalued, I think, right now, and that is uh, DC, just one in general, but also like DC Silver Age first appearances. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So not technically their first appearance, but there's still a lot of Silver Age uh, first appearances, mm-hmm. like your Batman villains and whatnot. That I mean, they, they go for a little bit, but it's not nearly as bad as the Marvel stuff. Right. No. And I mean, DC is you know not as culturally relevant at the time, and I think Marvel, no matter what they have, they're going to have like a 50 year stranglehold on this just because of how they're, you know, the my children love Marvel movies. You know, they can't even right. watch a DC movie. Not no, we'll get to that later. But, you know, and for the market, you know, it, it's the same thing. Like, there's a lot of books I could never afford. Like, when I was younger, I have so many books that I never thought I would ever own, even three yeah. or four years ago. And now I have, you know, all the stuff that I love. But it's also, like, super high. And me and Zach have joked quite a bit where I'm like, I don't know if I need to keep this. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's it's a book. But... The problem is, is if you get rid of it, they're at prices now that I'm not buying that book again for that price. Yeah, it's never correct. Yeah, it's never gonna like come back down. So no, X Men One is a perfect example. Right. You know, I I, that's one of my biggest purchases I've got, and that book is. And look, there's barely any news. I mean, I couldn't imagine a book going up in price like it has when they actually actively said there's nothing in development. Right. You know, they came out on Disney Investor Day and said they're not doing anything with the mutants right now. They're figuring it out. That was like the news. And then the book is like gone up 200 <laughs> percent. Like what? Well, and like it was that's... already it was already somewhat undervalued, I think, already. It was for yeah. sure. Like but... big time. It was probably yeah. the most undervalued like dollar performer, you know. Sure. But, I, you know, what do you do? Like I, I could sell my X-Men one now yep. and get a hyundai but i mean i never get my x-men one again i'll probably end up buying three or four hyundais this you know my lifetime (laughs) but so it's a it's a weird it's a weird place you know and let me send you a kia yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know it's it's you know and there used to be market trends and they were very you could see them coming there's a lot of there's still a lot of places you can still find dollar amounts if you're speculating or hunting you know, I think second appearances are still really undervalued, especially with how many new people are in the market and how expensive books are. You know, um, y- you can get 
for about 10% to 20% of the cost of a key first sure. appearance, you can get sure. the second appearance, you know, and those have always been key books, but yeah, I don't know. It's, um, and we're going to continue to see how like, you know, MCU obviously influences like all of this and, and all of the market fluctuations that we've been seeing and kind of the dovetail into the MCU and, and kind of what you, you said about your kids not being able to watch a DC film, but, um, <laughs> what do you guys, I mean, the last, I mean, since we've we've had our last cast, we've seen WandaVision wrap up. We've also seen, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier start and wrap. Um, what do you guys think of these shows? Uh, well, <laughs> so, okay. So the well, one, I, out of the two, I, I preferred, oh gosh, I don't even, I haven't really thought about this too much, but so like there's, the first part of the like the first few episodes of WandaVision, I was I was kind of interested, but uh, I don't know. It, it you know it let the build up happen and everything, but the payoff on WandaVision wasn't really exciting enough for me. I guess uh, you're just, Mephisto, your your yeah, speculation, your ten yeah, Mephisto's was, haven't panned out. Right. Yeah, all, yeah, all my Silver Surfer threes are trash now. I know. No, uh, <laughs> it just it. I guess it just didn't really feel like. Okay, yeah, she went crazy, and now she's all right. And there's you know the albino vision now, and uh, uh, what? Like, and then she went off to the mountain. So I guess like it was a cool setup. It was cool. It was cool character building for her to see all the all the stuff she's going through. It was like kind of House of M without going full like House of M. Um, but the ending of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I really enjoyed. And I like seeing the character journey of Sam, like fully, I guess, spoilers, fully becoming uh, Captain America. And, you know, although I think we can all agree, like the Flag Smashers as a, as a villain was kind of weak. Uh, but like the, the character development with Sam, with Zemo, uh, the stuff like with Wakanda, like all the, it just, uh, I don't know. I, I think overall, I actually liked the Falcon and Winter Soldier a little bit more. It might just be because it's fresher in my head, but uh, it just, it kept me more, entertained and it had a more satisfying payoff at the end you like that Zemo yeah. dancing scene the best. The, oh yeah um, <laughs> i i don't know i i kind of they're they're very different shows one division is um a huge risk for sure. i think marvel especially that being their first output like if falcon and winter soldier had come first i wouldn't have felt the same way but i mean to have what everybody's been anticipating you know, Black Widow got shelved. You know, yep. everything got slid back. There's no Marvel movies, and those are the movies of our, you know, our generation, kids' generations are going to be. Those are huge blockbuster movies, you know? So the anticipation was huge. And to, like, you know, have, like, a play on Bewitched, you know, is, like, yeah. that's a huge risk, dude. <laughs> like, sure, I, sure. you know, so I think, I, I don't know if I'd say I prefer WandaVision. <laughs> I really liked um i really like the character arc i agree that the ending was kind of like fell flat but i think that's because expectations had become so huge for the show basically after everything has happened with the schedule sliding you know that we don't we we saw we knew shang chi was coming we knew black widow's coming we know eternals is somewhere out there you know and everybody's salivating for that but you know, here's weird, quirky WandaVision. I don't think it was supposed yeah. to be like what it ended so, up being, though, yeah, as far as expectations. Right. I, I, yeah. And like, I think in this, you guys will, I don't know, you might make fun of me, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so the the problem I have with WandaVision as a whole, and like, I, like at the very end, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that 
he had this big magical like he had a, a witch he had wanted to go and create all this stuff and there was like zero doctor strange appearance he should have been brought back at this point if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like wh- why do you have this big threat to the uh you know the magic verse of the mcu but you don't have the source for supreme come up like it just it just didn't well, make that's that's uh probably sense. going to be addressed in this in the doctor strange sequel uh, right i mean I, I mean maybe who knows it's just it's a little continuity thing that bugged me whereas like the stuff in falcon and winter soldier like i i honestly completely forgot about zemo uh interaction killing uh t'chaka back in uh winter soldier movie i completely forgot about that but they brought it back up i was like oh crap like it just it was uh, like it was a good uh, good continuity like through that show and I'm a sucker for continuity. Well, well. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier though is it was always supposed to be like the a bigger Marvel Marvel show, you know. Whereas WandaVision, I think was just supposed to be about Wanda's pain and grief and how she dealt with it and what having a superhero would do. You know, sure, I think. Sure. I think what happened to her and how everything that her character went through and then everything that WandaVision put her through, it was about her mm. character's journey. And so, you know, I just think they're vastly different shows that are kind they of, are. Um, unfortunately, wrapped up in the expectations how Marvel has operated. You know, Marvel has operated on, like, giant threads. You, you look at a, a movie like Civil War. It's not even a Captain America movie. That's an Avengers movie. Oh yeah, totally. the Avengers Civil War. You know, it was mm-hmm. it barely, barely a Captain America movie. Like it was, you know. So I think the expectations just kind of, and unfortunately, I think one division's like why some people didn't like it as much as one. It was weird, you know. It was. I mean, the first few episodes, like. People are like, "What in the hell? What's happening?" Uh, yeah, they're like, they're, you know, they're expecting Falcon and Winter Soldier. Sure, you know, and yeah. that's not knocking Falcon and Winter Soldier because that's excellent writing. Like you said, the continuity, the tying into everything, and expanding it and making all these characters better—it was fantastic. I just think WandaVision was a more singular, or supposed to be, but because everybody, you know, no one had seen shit for month or done shit for months you know this is what we got you know and so right. i think it i i think it kind of got held back by the weight of expectations a little i just bit wish we had I, I i wish there was better big bads though i mean agatha harkness wasn't that interesting to me and obviously the flag smashers were awful you know when yeah, are we going to actually get some that great but yeah like when are we going to get some good villains like seriously uh, well, you got to have DC, baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, uh, no, I think, I don't think, again, I don't think WandaVision was clear, really about Agatha or what yeah. was happening. I think yeah. that was kind of, I think the the villain was technically was Wanda. Wanda. Was Wanda, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, that. she was, you know, uh, uh, I think Agatha was something to push the story forward. And again, I think it's just hard because, again, you you look at this and you're like like you said you want like your villain you want someone cool you know that's why everybody was hoping for Mephisto or you know God Grim Reaper you know I mean people were thinking it was Grim Reaper going to be in the <laughs> shit you know and and you know I, I, yeah. again it's hard <laughs> I that's all you saw was people talking yeah. talking talking about what was it going to be and, and it's like and it's about her. Right. And so, man, I, I think my, uh, I, I agree with you. It is about her. But the, what you mentioned earlier is the gap in time between like Endgame and then this coming out. 
like I think people just wanted something more Absolutely. or like something bigger. So like having it be a character study was a little underwhelming. Um, oh, for sure. I, I get right. I get the point behind it, but just like the timing of it didn't work out great. It's like okay, like but then like Falcon Winter Soldier, you could have very easily had um I don't know, Arnim Zola or somebody oh, totally. in, yeah. in charge, in charge, like manipulating the flag smashers. I think they were kind of getting yeah. like alluding to that with Sharon Carter. Kind of, uh, is she like, a scroll? Uh, oh, I don't know. God damn it. I hope I have scrolls. God. Um, maybe <laughs> who knows? Um, I think she is. I think that's going to yeah. be, it's a twist. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. uh, secret right. invasion is coming. And I think this whole like character turnaround for her is going to be, Spoilers again, guys. Sorry, uh, but I, I think mean, Carter is a scroll. I was I was angry that they even used her in that way. Again, she's so boring of a character. She's I mean, there's why would you want her to be yeah. like you know that? Why would you want her to have that prominence? I guess in the narrative. Yeah, well, I mean she's she's an established character. I mean, so it, it just you know I don't know. It's kind of an easy build. Like it's an easy button. Like hey, we don't really have to do a whole lot of background on this person. Right. Like she's already here. We can just introduce her. Um, I was a little upset that Batrock Batrock didn't have his fancy French mustache though. <laughs> I, I think it was, that's always been the problem. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, ever since he was reintroduced, that was the problem. You know. Yeah. Where the hell is the mustache? I know. Yeah. It's the bullshit. Yeah. This is bullshit. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got like, I think he got shot in the last episode. They just kind of like left him. I mean, he'll be back. He's got to be back. There's no way that rock's dead, right? Right? <laughs> well, he's probably a cheap character to bring on. You know, like, I mean, that's just like that, that guy's a um, MMA, MMA fighter. fighter. Yeah. yeah so. we're, we're, if we start talking MMA, we're going to show our ignorance real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What about you, Max? You've been you've been relatively quiet as uh, me and me and Zach because yeah, you I, hate I, both, I believe. I, I well, I didn't hate both. I I didn't. I don't hate I, any of it actually. I just always watch these things and I I always wish. I always think what could have been. I guess um, what could have been with the budget. What could have been with the actors. Um, you know, I, I I totally agree with both of you guys when it comes to Wandavision that it was you know more of a character study, but it also was underwhelming following Endgame. I totally get that. Um, I'm not a big like fan of the Scarlet Witch and the MCU. I'm just not. Um, but I was interested to see, I guess, that character arc, and I was mostly interested in the Vision aspect and and seeing how that actually played out. And I'm interested to see what happens with that later on down the road. But I actually like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier way more. Um, I thought both like you know the actors that did you know played Falcon and Winter Soldier were great. Um, but again, like the villains were terrible in that whole like arc. You know the Flag Smashers were just uh, a, a, I guess a moving piece to push the narrative forward and there was such a trope you know it was so weak and yeah poor yeah. writing and, well, and it was just not, not so very good this the we're gonna go on the the way back machine real quick do you guys remember love the way back machine do you guys remember the generation x tv show that they made on oh, fox christ okay <laughs> yeah. i yeah you remember the made for tv movie and like everybody's power was just like that they were strong yeah, uh-huh. like the, that was basically what I got reminded of in Falcon Winter Soldier. Like, oh, everybody's a super soldier now. Like, where's like, can I have like a beam of some kind or like, but nothing. Like, it was just like dudes punching each other and like action stuff. And I was like, all right, yeah. like you could have done so much more. Like, well, introduce... it was like a team of Jessica Joneses. Yeah, like in- introduce oh, like yeah, introduce some low like somebody you can just write off. Give him like a flash in the pan appearance. <laughs> Uh, like if, the, bat- the battling Bantam now, or something like that. Like you could yeah, have been. Nobody knows anybody. this by now. Zach loves 
shitty Marvel villains. They're and so, so oh, he's, if this is all his way to get you to hear about some shit Marvel villain that he would <laughs> yeah. like to see. Dude, the- there's there's so but many. You're like, also in- right. Yeah. <laughs> no. In, in, instead of that random dude that recreated the Super Soldier serum, why not use like Camestro or something like that? <laughs> You know, I mean, like, there's opportunities here. I, I totally, I, I, I think you're, you were totally spot on though when you said Armzola. Yeah, like he's a, like he's an like, established totally, character. Yeah, like why would you like that would be perfect. Like why would you not have him pulling these puppet strings? I mean, that just stuff like that makes it so much more yep. interesting for established comic book readers. And it's and he's so much more of an interesting character than than what we got. Carly Morgan. Yeah, it's like who is this person? I mean, and and you're taking like. Uh, you know, Flag Smasher, who is kind of a lame villain, you know, right. but I mean, yeah. he would have been, he would have been better than what we got. I think like, there's a part that's like a- expansion too. I think, you know, I think we're going to start seeing some, a little bit of new characters introduced in Marvel movies that will be introduced into comic books and to other media, like one, because of how rights and licenses work, you know, I think there's going to be, Disney's going to want to be able to hold more uh control over these things you know um and i think that's kind of like something that we're going to start seeing eventually but with flag smashers i just wish there was more i I wish there was less of that and more of zemo like that was and i think that would have made the better because i i i mean we're watching a tv show about a dude in a falcon suit and you know, like, so I, I get like having, a, you know, a little bit of tropes and sometimes maybe bad writing needed like flag smashers, but maybe, you know, I don't know. You have this fantastic character, which you revitalized fantastic, you know, also fantastic, like showcase that more, like maybe just use those for more plot purposes, like instead yeah. of, uh, I don't know, you could have showcased Simo a lot more in my opinion. Yeah. He was, no, it, you, you could have done a whole a whole bunch of stuff like Arnim Zola's big bad. Like if you want to have like another plant, like that psychiatrist that was helping the two guys, mm-hmm. it could have been like Doctor Faustus or something like that. Like, but maybe before he becomes a supervillain, right? Like you could have had all sorts of, like little cameos and like set stuff up for the future. But I just feel like, I mean, Matt, maybe you're right. I don't know two things about how uh, licenses work. Maybe maybe they're just trying to create new characters so they don't have to pay him out who the creators i don't know but um, like there just there I, just seems like a lot of opportunities to use established marvel characters yeah, missed missed opportunities that's that's how yeah. i perceive it like when i watch it i'm just like wow there's a missed opportunity there there's a missed opportunity you would there, expect so. yeah you would expect marvel to have total creative control but since we talked about that whole bust in the 90s they yeah. totally ruined a lot of their opportunities for film stuff you know i mean in they've done a fantastic job of building that brand back up but you know, I mean, it, all that stuff's a mess. And so, you know, and who knows the ins and outs. My, my, the villain I thought was going to show up that was kind of nobody ever talked about. And I kind of secretly hoped for, and since it was the Winter Soldier Modoc. story arc too, it was Lunkin from the, and if you oh guys remember. God. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you know, in at the end, Red Skull inhabits that dude's mind and body. Yeah, you know, that's how the Red Skull comes back, and I was right. like, I thought that was going to be a possible left field, and because I don't know, you know, it just ties into all the Captain America mythos so much, right? You right. Know? And I get that they killed him and everything already, but I thought they might introduce that character at some point. And would have been better. It would have been better. Would have yeah, been better. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, Not wrong. No, oh, well, <laughs> we, we we can save all we can have this exact same conversation when Shang Chi comes out and there's no Fing Fang Foom appearance. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we, we can gripe about that for an hour. It's going to be awesome. But we might we might get the actual Mandarin though. So Oh yeah. man. You know, I mean, that's that trailer awesome, was awesome. I'm not going to lie, I was super hyped for it. I love yeah. Shang-Chi and like those we talked about bronze love, but those 70s characters like that oh yeah and, oh man i love shang chi yeah. and no, it, you know, it'll it'll be good Kung it'll Kung be good to to get a real mandarin and get that iron man 3 shit like uh, just oh, out of my yeah. mind yeah worst marvel yeah. movie ever guys iron man 3 yeah. pretty much an abomination Spe- speaking it's of the only one it's the only one we all saw in theaters too <laughs> together <laughs> that's true that is totally true <laughs> That is very true. Speaking of abominations, what did you guys think of the Snyder Cut? Oh, oh god! Oh. All right. You so, wait, 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 wait. Let's. How about Max go yeah. first? Because you are going to defend this in some small capacity. <laughs> I know. Like you, <laughs> you, well, you're going whether whether you're trolling us on the cast uh, or hey, in real life. Hey, if you're gonna let Max to. go, let Max go, bro. Okay, just let him go. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought it was like a, a masterpiece. Number one, I thought it was absolutely. <laughs> no, just There's the troll. There's the troll. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, um, I'm, I'm assuming you guys all saw the original film and then you all watched the <laughs> yep. Snyder cut. So, um, yep. you know, I, I, I was like, I couldn't believe how long the Snyder cut was. Number one, I mean, it, it felt <laughs> like a mini series. I mean, it was ridiculous, but, um, was it better? Yes. Was it necessary? No. Not at all. Um, did, uh, did it, do yeah. I do I feel like any kind of I guess um, like you know like payback or or do I feel better for having watched the Snyder Cut? Not really. No. Um, yeah. You know, I thought like the there were so many like mega plot holes in in the Snyder Cut that I thought were absolutely ridiculous. Like how yeah. does how does Darkseid like forget you know that yeah you know, like I mean yeah come on you know what I'm saying going to say yeah. Um, all of the flash stuff all the flash stuff was just unnecessary yep i i thought that like the i didn't mind like the fleshing out of cyborg story i thought that was okay um i thought that actually improved the film quite a bit yeah i thought i thought that was actually way better um there were certain actions action sequences and stuff in the film that i actually didn't mind and i actually liked a lot more and i liked the ending of the film a lot more and i liked steppenwolf a heck of a lot more than in the original you know but yeah. um yeah yeah it it's hard to say that it's not or it's definitely an improvement over the whedon one right like there, right, there's nobody right. i think that's going to sit here and say that the whedon one's better but i think when you said was it necessary no <laughs> because i it just <sighs> well they spent so, like 70 million more dollars making it I like know. that's what that's i insane, thought was crazy man. Like here, here's the thing, and I'll just get this out of the way with Zack Snyder. I, I am not a fan of his work by and large. <laughs> um, I can tolerate 300, or I did at one point in time. I don't know if I could watch it anymore. Absolutely hated Watchmen. I still loathe that movie with every fiber of my being. <laughs> so, and then like it, Superman, Man of Steel was just garbage. It was a horrible way to treat Superman. So like the buildup to all this, I just hated. And I was ready to just hate on this, uh, this his version of justice league, but th- there was actually some parts where I found myself against my better will, like being engrossed in the movie, like the, the flashback scene where they had the, I don't even know what green lantern that was. Um, but yeah, that was, a, a, that was a cool little nod. Um, there was some mm-hmm. stuff that actively made me go, what the fuck? Like, why is Martian manhunter talking to Lois? 
that was so yeah, that was so ridiculous. So random. And like it's just also, I, I, what I, is he doing? Yeah, and what like, that, that's my point. Like, where is Martian Manhunter the whole freaking movie? The whole movie. Like, yeah. He's just eating Oreos somewhere in like <laughs> Delaware instead of like helping yep. like the world not end. Right. Well, now. it's yeah. also yeah. now established that he's been there. So he's right. gone and seen all this shit go down and he did nothing. Yeah. He's like, Well, like, I guess it's time. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like so dumb. No, and then yeah. and then all the all the future stuff, like all all the setup, like it, it just it really reminds me of the Injustice games, like that whole setup with Superman going cray because Lois dies or whatever, and yeah. it just I have no interest in seeing that. I have no interest in the DC heroes being these like grim gritty assholes. Like it just it just so, it's so it's so boring to me. It's so played out to me. So worst part of the film by far, like in my opinion, by far was the epilogue with the Joker yeah. and, and that whole scene. That was Why? absolutely Why? pointless and unnecessary. And just, oh my God, it was just painful hearing like Leto, like, like say those lines. I mean, he's it, such a, a terrible Joker number yeah, one, but like, it was just uh, unnecessary and stupid. Yeah. It's just like, I, I'm sure Zack Snyder has this like grandiose plan in his head for how this is all going to play out. Cause I think that didn't, wasn't there a flashback in, uh, Batman versus Superman, like wasn't there one similar? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. he's like he has this idea, this concept, but like nothing, like nothing about a post-apocalyptic dark side ruled Earth where Superman is a bad guy and Batman has to assemble a ragtag team to go put Flash on the cosmic treadmill. That has zero interest to me. Right. Like holy, like that's just that's just such a bland tale that's been done better in other formats. And there's so many so many other stories that could be told with these like iconic legendary heroes. And then also, why the fuck does Wonder Woman's music play every time she's on screen? <laughs> every single loud. time. Every <laughs> loud. Every single time. Oh <laughs> my god. Well, why? okay. So uh, there, the one slight defense I'll have of the film is in that you know it is the director's cut, and so I know Zack Snyder said, well. You know, technically, I assembled the film to how I would submit it then to be trimmed down. So it being four hours was, you know, I'm sure about an hour of that was supposed to actually be cut out. You know, if his version of the film was to actually see, you know, the release like it was supposed to. But that seems like a pretty big cop out, if I'm being honest here, because HBO told him they could do whatever he wanted to. So, well, yeah, make a fucking movie, make a fucking movie, Zach. He did. He made the movie that he was going that he would have released, yeah. you know, but that's how it goes. You know, you submit the movie and then then the studio and everybody hacks the thing, the pieces, and then you're like Ridley Scott, and then you wait 30 years till you can actually <laughs> release the director's cut, and then everybody's like, wow, that's way better, and he's like, yeah, no shit. You know, but um, in Zack Snyder's case, that's not true. It probably would have benefited from being you yeah. know, cut down, but yeah. that's not the point of what they were doing, really. So, I mean, in a weird way, it was, you know, it was an experimental thing. I mean, one, very brave of them to revisit a movie that everybody was critically loathed for the most part and not really beloved to reassemble a whole new movie. Like, Yeah, and really, there was a huge, insane. huge positive response to this, by the way. Like, as much as we can hate on what we hated about it, there was a massive, massive positive response to this movie. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a film, like, reassembled and be so different than the exorcist movie uh dominion oh, like yeah, yeah, when yeah. that when because those are like two separate movies too i can't remember mm-hmm. the other one's no, name it, but it, off yeah. the top of my head but just thank the thank the pandemic man they, we had they had time for it and they had money for it so well and it's i'm sure part of it was to stay relevant you know and we've sure. been spoiled marvel movies even 
even at the worst, Iron Man 3, like, I mean, we can argue, like, what's worse, Justice League or Iron Man 3, but I'll probably say Justice League, like the Whedon cut, at least. Right. Like, in Suicide Squad, probably just uh, as bad, uh, if not worse. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so they've yeah. had a real, real, real bad go in media. And, you know, and it's all at Snyder's direction. You know, he pushed for the darker tone. I mean, DC has always had darker books, but they've always, you know, that's not really been the core of it. But how Warner Brothers and everybody, like, shoved it into this dark corner, you know, and kind yeah. of, like, hedge bets on it. And they're like... I don't know, you know, you have an R-rated Justice League movie, you know, or someone making a really dark Justice League movie, you're like, why is it not successful? You know, like, sure. what do you mean? You know, we're watching Captain America and Spider-Man, and, you know, we're being inspired to be better people and whatnot, and you're watching Superman murder people. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, how is this wrong? You know, I don't know. But, so, the tone is still sucks, because it's still in that vein, you know, like Max said, is it a better movie? Technically speaking, yeah, sure. But that doesn't make it a good movie, you know? Right. I mean, I still wanted to watch it, mostly out of, like, morbid curiosity. What but, did you What did you like about it? Like, what aspects did you actually enjoy? I mean, sort of the same things you guys touched upon, like the Cyborg, for sure, you know? Yeah. I thought um, actually including Iris improved the Flash a little bit. Um, I think they just improved the characters slightly, but the oh, characters true. are so wrong. You know, they're not. Well, I thought so, it was like I thought with like Steppenwolf that they gave him like a, a motive and a little bit more of a backstory to actually. Yeah, they wrote a movie. You know, in this yeah, one. right. Yeah, right. but he's but, dead now, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they made a movie. You know, they made a story. The other yeah. one was just like violence happening. It was about right. the same equivalent of a Transformers movie. You sure, know, where pretty much. Yeah. You're just like the the shit is going on you're like the ass like what you know yeah. like this one at least had a semblance of writing in it but that does again doesn't mean it's very good you know i i still don't like the portrayal of the characters i still don't like the tone you know you, we i made fun all the time but you know i can't watch those movies with my kids i can't watch a batman right. movie i can't watch a superman movie like what what kind of world dark terrible world that we live in where I can't show my kids a Superman movie. You know, I have right. to go back. I have to go back and watch one from a hundred years ago with Christopher Reeve, you know, like, <laughs> like just to be able to, you know, they're like, and they don't care. You know, they're just going to be like, well, yeah. whatever, you know, I can watch 15 Spider-Man movies all because they're not like, you know, again, it's not has Superman murdering somebody. And I get, they're trying to occupy a different space. It's just, it right. was completely unnecessary sort of a waste of money in my the, opinion the, the like, interesting thing is that the the success of it or you know perceived success um of that uh, i think is going to have a ripple effect and we're going to see now hbo heavily invest in some more projects possibly even with snyder down the road i don't know about that he's uh, i i think uh, i think um because all the shitting on snyder he's i think he's actually genuinely a nice person you know just mm -hmm. makes bad movies uh yeah, but I I don't think he has it in him to make another superhero film. No, really, no. he he's gone on record saying that like it's so it was so hard and draining, emotionally taxing. So, and I think the Snyderverse was kind of like you know, there's people that do actually like it a lot, but it's still kind of lukewarm reception. I think I think you'll see 
what they want to do is they're going to start writing singular movies for these characters instead of trying to make like a dark Marvel universe. But who knows? You know, I don't have the billions of dollars to invest in, you know, whatever the hell's happening with the Green just, Lantern show. It, yeah, it just felt super <clears throat> unnecessary, the whole thing. It, it just felt like you were putting, you know, nice wheels in a spoiler on a Ford Taurus. You know, why? Yeah, you really were. And I think the terrible thing is, is there's so many movies out there that could get made. You could have just left this in the past, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I think in part it was, I honestly think that there's a bit of like, they're trying to save face in PR nightmare because Justice League was very troubled film, you know, the actors, right. you know, we, we all, there's very public problems with the, the film. And so giving the fans something to enjoy and maybe even placating Zack Snyder, because who knows, you might not want him to make that movie, but <laughs> he's made a ton of big movies, you know, he has right. that new zombie film coming out and you know he's going to be making more stuff and i i don't know you know there's there, there's probably a lot more to it than just like the twitter you know a thousand <laughs> people being stoked on twitter you know but i, yeah, I don't that, know that kind of transitions us into our question of the week then are you guys, are you guys oh, no. <laughs> oh no so the question of the week then is what comic book character or team would you like to sne- see a Snyder treatment on? Oh, oh. damn. <laughs> okay. Oh. okay. Okay, Matt, you go first on this one. <laughs> well, uh, power pack? Um, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a gritty I'll, power I'll, pack? <laughs> yeah, I want a grim and gritty power pack. Um, <laughs> that's an incredibly interesting and terrible question That's like i like, mean i mean it can be a joke question obviously but it could be like okay well you know no understanding how snyder's aesthetic is like what do you think would work maybe or not. uh we have a dear friend and this poor guy i feel bad for him because he's uh, he he's not going to listen to this even though he's a very close friend but um <laughs> sorry bob but i'm going to say valiant stuff actually yeah. Like, I think some of the super science stuff that he had included would have been cool for some of these things. And I think tonally, like, there's a lot of those characters that could use, you know, for as much as I don't like Zack Snyder, he does have a sure hand and he does have, like, a clear style. So, sure. and I think that comic booky, you know, as much as I don't like it, I think some of that stuff could translate well into... Like I don't know if you guys saw the Bloodshot movie. It was real bad. Um, so you're just you're you're just really wanting to see an Archer and Armstrong directed by Zack Snyder. Oh yes. boy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess similarly, I don't I don't want him really touching anything in the, in the Marvel <laughs> universe. Uh, so I I would say like with Grim and Gritty, like uh, let's just give him the easy ones. Let's give him uh, the darkness and like Witchblade. Wow. <laughs> Like that would probably be okay, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like a secret way of saying all the stuff we hate. Like, yeah, it's like I would, I would, I actually might watch a darkness movie, maybe even a witch play. I don't know. Like, just give, give him something like that. What about Spawn? Uh, what about Spawn? Yeah, I, I guess you could do Spawn or uh, oh god, what else? Maybe like a Night Fist. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> what about you, Max? Man, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's there's yeah, obviously so. things that that uh, that pop up into my mind. Like, immediately the thing that popped up into my mind when I was trying to think of a project that would be actually successful was like the new Berserker comic. 
Like if you could get Keanu Reeves and Zack Snyder together, you know that would be a box office hit. You know. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> you just made me hate Berserker, man. I don't even. Well, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But I really, yeah. I, 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 I tend to agree. I really wouldn't want to see him on any kind of property that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, I just wouldn't. And it would have to be something of, of like, I think the Valiant thing was a really good pick and, or something in that kind of vein where it's just, you know, I, I, you know, in, isolated. Invo- yeah. Invoking our, our, our dear friend, Bob and his taste in comics. Like he, he loves Valiant. He loves like Razor. You remember Razor? Oh God! Yes, <laughs> like like Zack Snyder could go no. and direct Razor. That would be <laughs> that, that that would be great. You know, like go and direct Razor or sure, you know, or something. Sure. Like yeah, that, but... you mentioned Spawn, and that's actually an interesting one that could be like a a, a good fit. Like, I, I just think that the biggest problem with um, most comic books, because you know, you get a lot of like neck beards that complain about like you know gender changes or these different things to characters, and really as long as the core concept of the character is the same, I don't usually have any problem, you know, like, and I think that's where Zack Snyder fails is that he has an idea of what these characters are like, but it's completely opposite of the character, you know, sure. Superman isn't Superman. Batman isn't Batman. Flash isn't the flash, you know, and he obviously has a love of the comics, you know, but you're just like, have you read like the, yeah, it's like he's you know, read all the all the Elseworlds. Like he hasn't actually read anything that's like actually true to the character. Yes, and so you know, I feel it's kind of hard because he, it, same thing with Watchmen. You you know the the cringe that was Watchmen. I I just feel like he took there. There's elements of Watchmen that could have been fine, but he made the core concept of the characters incorrect. You know, and that's I I don't understand why you would purchase a property or write a property that's established and do that make your well, own that's, shit uh, that's why we you know that's why we sit in the corner in the dark alone at night and and sob silently yeah well or, or why we just publicly go on record to force him upon the valiant universe <laughs> that's true but, so, uh, sorry valiant. i think the, i think yeah i think the valiant versus safe guys i don't think anybody's hitting their door down to make those movies I don't well, know, supposedly man. they have a media deal. Bloodshot was supposed to be a big deal. It had Vin Diesel in it, like, mm-hmm. and then it came out the like real bad reviews. So. Real bad. But yeah. supposedly also a sequel is being made. But, no way. You know, no yeah. way. But Spawn, yeah, yes way. No, but I think Spawn would be a good idea, like especially for a major property. I think so but, too. Yeah. I don't know. Todd McFarlane isn't thing, so I don't think you could ever get anything done. <laughs> Like, true. I, Todd's, Todd's awesome, but he's also like he's a personality, you know. He's <laughs> and it's his property, so I don't think you could ever do like what Snyder does, where he comes in and just like, all right, we're gonna re- it like up. this, and yeah, and yeah, Todd yeah, would be no like, way. you can you can eat shit and die. Is what <laughs> yeah. I think Todd would do. That's, that's exactly you what know? he would do. But, yeah. you know, the difference is, is that like Warner Brothers, you know, studio executives are like, yeah, sure. OK, you seem like a guy who knows what he's doing. So they're like, yeah, make that gajillion dollar movie. Well, <laughs> maybe know. we'll see Zack Snyder on Ninjack or something else in the future here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we will never know. But what we will know is that we're going to be back um, with an episode 12 here pretty soon. And we're going to. Yeah, probably three. <laughs> 
we're, we're going to shoot for two and a half this time. Um, you know, it's going to be a little sooner than quarterly, but we're going to try to make it work. But we're going to have a big cast in our next episode because we're going to be covering the Vertigo Classic Preacher for all you guys. Oh, baby. Um, so this is going to, and, and now that I've said that, we're committed to this. So now we can't like pivot. Yeah, no, now we have you know, to do it. Now yeah. we have to yeah. do it. You know, we can't, you know, do anything different. We can't do nightly news. We can't do something else. So it's going to be. Uh, yeah, we can't do the fallback where it's just complain about yeah. CGC. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's this cast going to be about? I don't know. CGC. Stuff. No, no, let's yeah. talk about CGC again, guys. People yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it was, it was awesome uh, having our cast. It was awesome catching up with you guys. Um, where can we find you, dudes? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, actually, I, I don't think I told you guys this, but so it's Paper Abyss Comics. That's the Instagram. Also, YouTube is where I have like Dark Hawk talk and all that stuff. If you want to listen to me talk about Dark Hawk for hours on end. Um, but I also have like this one random video that uh, from a show called Danger Five that came out like a decade ago. And it's up like, I don't know what happened in the last month. It's just like, it's close to 350, like thousand views. And, uh, I don't know if you guys ever had a, like a bigger video on YouTube where people comment all the time, but that shit is so annoying. My phone goes off like every five minutes now. With what somebody is this out. about? Like it's, it was 10 years ago. How do we not yeah. know about this? I don't know. It just came out. I, I just randomly put it on my YouTube channel just for shits and giggles, like oh, back, okay. back 10 years ago. And it's just a clip of a show. I mean, the show's really good. You guys should check it out. Danger five. It's on Amazon. Um, but yeah, like all day long, I'm just sitting there and my phone just voot, voot, with some idiot either commenting on it or somebody like giving it a thumbs up or thumbs down. It's stupid. Anyways, I just thought you guys would like to know that. Yeah, uh, that's, that's me, by the way, leaving all those comments. Oh, okay. Yeah. At least tell me next time. Uh, <laughs> did I say the name? Did I say, yeah, Paper Abyss. That's my Instagram. That's my YouTube. Feel free to go ahead and give me a thumbs up on random videos on there. That's it. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, you can... You can you can find me at um, uh, Exalted Funeral. Everything, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all of it. You can also find me Grindr. on Grinder. Um, you can also find me on Instagram under Cosmic Skull Comics, so you can see when I post something about Modoc and get four likes. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, you can find uh, Turbo Comics uh, at Instagram at Turbo Comics. You can also find us online at TurboComicsShop.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter. Um, so definitely keep us in mind. Um, we do have some sales always going on. So definitely check us out. Um, also, follow the cast. Um, you can follow the cast on our Facebook group. You can follow our Twitter account. You'll see all those links um, when we put this cast up. And we want to thank all you guys for listening. And until next time, Preacher's coming up. <laughs>